Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Hey, what's going on, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. It's your host, Aaron Johnson, with you this week. And joining me is, as always, Jasper Apollonia. Jasper, we're without Mike uh, for one more week this week. And then next week, it's going to be you two on the show without me. But we are kicking off a fun little podcast series this week breaking down each of the divisions for the upcoming NBA season. We are kicking it off with the Pacific Division today. So a really good Western Conference division that's probably going to be very, very competitive once again this year. Uh, It's good to be with you, my friend. How are we doing? And man, this is going to be a fun little series to get into. I'm actually really excited for it. I know we've been talking about it, and now we're finally uh, kicking the tires on it and, and getting it going. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've finally uh, just exhausted every single narrative we possibly could for the Pistons offseason so far. We are getting into the actual breakdown of the season, and it's great to be here with you. The two musketeers back at it, uh, Aaron, that's as some might say. Uh, but hopefully we're going to have, or not hopefully, we will have Mike back next week, even though we'll be losing you to sunny Las Vegas um i understand you had to go out there and play some bets in person maybe some of them on this division because this is an exciting one with lots of contenders uh not just for the division title but potentially for the nba title as well so this should be a really really fun one aaron and i'm just looking forward to it yeah it's an absolutely loaded division we saw that last year with uh how the division broke down and there's a there's a lot of competition across it if you went to bet online to try to bet on this division winner uh for the pacific division the phoenix suns are currently ranked uh to win the division at plus 175 they have the lowest odds and if you're going to abuse bet online you should use our promo code which i'm going to tell you all about now with this week's sponsor Bet online football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and content available anywhere online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code, BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, 
to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Oh, and it was a brutal betting week for football for me, Aaron. Oh. It, I, it was not pretty for your boy. I, I thought I was going to win it all back on Monday night because I had uh, Aaron Rodgers under for passing yards and I had Josh Allen over on uh, rushing yards and I was feeling really good. Brees Hall's, you know, out. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to juice this line with uh, Dalvin Cook, 40 plus rushing yards. Of course, he finishes seven short. So that that killed me. Uh, it was just one of those weeks that was just weird. We had a bunch of like teams that were on the road that were dogs, including our very own Detroit Lions, who I think are going to be in front of a raucous crowd against the Seattle Seahawks this week. A um, lot of weird, you know, finishes, a lot of road dogs winning. Uh, it's going to kind of be like the Pacific Division this year where, you know, it, it, you don't really know what's going to happen. And I think there's no better, like, indication of where this division is at that one of the teams that was in the Western Conference Finals last year, the Los Angeles Lakers, finished last in this division last season yeah it's it's funny how that works out and actually if you look at bet online the team with the highest odds to win the division are the sacramento kings at plus 750 i mean they won the division last year and now are according to bet online the least likely team in the division to come out ahead of everyone else but that's where i want to actually start with our division breakdown for the pacific division are the Kings. They were 48 and 34 last season. Again, first in the division, led by All-Stars De'Aaron Fox and Damanis Sabonis. They were really the feel-good story across the NBA for a franchise that struggled so much over the last few decades to have just an absolutely incredible season. They had one of the best offenses in the league, played at one of the fastest paces. They were an absolute joy to watch, and they put together a really competitive first-round playoff series against the Golden State Warriors, where they eventually were defeated in seven games. But a little bit of a, a, a double-down offseason for them with the re-signing of Damana Sabonis and Trey Lyles and Harrison Barnes. They brought in Sasha Venzenkov, the EuroLeague MVP, traded for Chris Duarte. So not necessarily big time moves for the Kings, but bringing back, you know, the pieces, obviously Sabonis is a big time piece, but in terms of new additions to the roster, not necessarily any big time uh, additions, but Jasper, do we expect Sacramento to, to be another competitive team again, this upcoming season, or is there maybe a chance that they regress a little bit? Uh, well, first off, how could you forget to mention one of my favorite players of all time, JaVale McGee, uh, also being brought in. I just, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for him. I, I do love him. Um, no, not going to probably be the, the guy that takes him over the top. I'll tell you this much. As a Pistons fan, it never feels good to say the sentence, the Sacramento Kings have won their division and a playoff game more recently than the Pistons. That's That's never a good thing to say. Uh, but yeah, last year was a lot of fun and the Kings looked really, really good for most of it, including in the playoffs. Uh, they had an absolute brick fight with the Golden State Warriors. And that was, you know, I, I hate to say it going into game seven. You didn't really feel like the Kings had much of a chance in that one, even though they were at home. But, but 
they fought hard the entire playoffs. Um, this is a team that I think is still going to be really good. And yeah, they have the worst odds to finish top of the division. And I don't think they're going to win it again, but I think something like a similar record, like that, you know, 48, 47, 46 wins and probably second or third in the division. I think it's very, very likely. Um, just when you look at, you know, how the other teams in that division kind of stack up in terms of injury risk and guys needing to be rested. Uh, I still think that this is a really good team and one that's young enough to still compete, not just for the division, but also in the Western conference playoffs, who knows what's going to be coming down the line for them. Um, you know, Malik Monk was, was huge for them last year. You can't really understate uh, how much of an effect he had. And, this is tough to say, but bringing back Trey Lyles was a good move. He he gave them some good minutes. Same with Harrison Barnes. I think the question comes down to like the supporting cast. Can Harrison Barnes keep it up for another year? Is Trey Lyles going to be a guy you can play in the playoffs again? Uh, is Malik Monk, you know, is this who he is now? Uh, and really, what is the ceiling with Fox and Sabonis? They both were all-stars, but they didn't necessarily mesh all that well in the playoffs so bonus especially was not was not great um so i think that there are steps forward that they can take and i think that there's moves that they can make they have the depth for it this is a team i'm really excited to see and i think that even if they're not necessarily on the upswing i think they're going to be a tough team for at least a few years to come yeah i think they are in an interesting spot i think First-year playoff teams always, or at least nowadays, are expected to sort of regress a little bit. I mean, it was a big topic when the Pistons, back in the Stan Van Gundy era, made it with Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, Tobias Harris, KCP, that that grouping, made it to the playoffs, and then were never able to really get back to those heights. And we've seen it with some other teams, like the Knicks, um, for example, you go down the list, there's there's other teams you can mention. And if you bring that conversation up with a team like Sacramento, I just think they're in a completely different stratosphere than some of those teams. Sacramento didn't just sneak into the playoffs. They won their division. They are a team with two all-stars, incredible depth, some really good supporting cast pieces. And that experience that they got last year, I mean, it's a tough draw to have to play Golden State, a franchise that has all of the experience and all of the championship pedigree in your first playoff series as a franchise in two decades. And for a team that had a lot of players with no playoff experience on the roster. So I think they are not just bound to get back to the playoffs, but I, I think they can take a step forward. I think you look at the supporting cast, you look at some of the younger players on the team. I mean, a guy like Keegan Murray, who, is had such a good rookie season if he takes that next step and gives them an all-star level wing i mean that that is would be absolutely massive for them and and he is capable of doing that with the way that he scores the way that he shoots the way that he defends like he is a an, a huge x factor in terms of if he reaches his potential if he can get to that upper tier of his ceiling I mean, Aaron, he he set the rookie record for most made threes over Damian Lillard. He's Sadiq Bay came close, but like he set the record for most threes. If he takes a step forward, woo. Davion Mitchell's another guy, another young player going into his third season now. 
if he were on a worse team, would probably be starting for his ability to, to defend. He can dribble. He can shoot. He's a really good young piece as well. I mean, this team just has so much depth, and I, I just feel like there's more potential with this group because now they have that playoff experience. They're bringing back all of the key pieces on their roster. They really don't have anyone that, that left that's a, a major, major loss for them. You know, someone like Rashawn Holmes isn't on the roster anymore, but not a guy that was a factor for them uh, as they finally got back to the playoffs. This group is back. They added a couple more depth pieces and Duarte and McGee, Sasha Ventikoff, another guy that, you know, I don't know how much he's going to help them right away, how quickly, how much, but the EuroLeague MVP, you feel like that's another guy that that could help them if need be. This is just a team that that brought everyone back, has the young guys that should be continuing to get better, has the coaching staff uh, under Mike Brown that's obviously turned this franchise around. Yeah, I think this team has a, a really good shot to not just get back to the playoffs, but get past the first round, do some more damage. You know, I don't know how high their ceiling is with Fox and Sabonis. There's not necessarily a, a quote-unquote superstar on this team, but they are really, really good have a ton of depth and they play a really fun style of basketball. So I'm very, very excited for Sacramento next year. Yeah. I think their ceiling just kind of comes down to like, can they find that third all-star and whether it's, you know, Keegan Murray, who I certainly think has the potential to be that kind of guy for them. Maybe not an all-star, but close to it. Um, And, you know, we haven't even mentioned Kevin Herter who's, started all seven playoff games for them last year as well. So that that's a team with outstanding depth. I mean, when you can show, you know, throw out a starting backcourt of, of Fox and uh, Herter, and then go to your bench and be able to look at Malik Monk and Davion Mitchell and Chris, Chris Duarte, like that makes you feel really, really good. I think the question comes down to how much can they get out of their front court more so than their backcourt. Can Sabonis be relied on in the playoffs? Uh, can Keegan Murray take his game to another level? Because if so, yeah, those those worst odds in the division could end up being a real value play. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this isn't a gambling podcast. I'm not a gambling expert, but seeing Sacramento at plus 750 to win the division after what they did last year in a division full of teams with stars that tend to miss time and don't always these teams, even if they go further in the playoffs, don't always finish with the top records in the conference or division. It's it's an appealing number. I'll say that. It's something that I'm going to consider <laughs> in my yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, you, ha- you have to imagine that with, like, some of the guys they have, if they can get something, like, legit from Davion Mitchell this year, um, I-, I don't see why they couldn't consolidate a couple pieces and, and make a real trade for another another all-star. So, yeah, they're, I think, in a really good position you know, where they can go all in, yes, but they still have the flexibility to to work as well. So they're I, I like what Sacramento's doing. They're really, yeah, they're looking like they're in an excellent position to, to continue their upward swing. Let's move on to another team that has high expectations this upcoming season. That's the Phoenix Suns. They finished 45 and 37 last season, second in the Pacific Division, uh, led by Devin Booker and midseason acquisition Kevin Durant, who was named to the all-star team last year. 
They were defeated by the Denver Nuggets in six games in the Western Conference semifinals, but absolutely reloaded this offseason with a ton of roster overhaul that was led by the Bradley Beal trade, acquiring Bradley Beal, also adding Eric Gordon, Drew Eubanks, Bobol, and Utah Watanabe, among some other additions. Some of the key losses for Phoenix, Chris Paul, who was a part of the Beal trade, Jock Landau and Cameron Hain. This is a Phoenix team that is favored to win the division. They have the third best odds to win the NBA championship. They've got all the pieces. They've got all the star power. I mean, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, DeAndre as your four best players is probably the best four foursome you could put together. I mean, it's, that's a lot, a lot of talent. And a lot of people will say it's a super top-heavy team and they don't have enough depth. But three true star-level players in Durant, Booker, and Beal. Jasper, what do you see for the Phoenix Suns this upcoming season? Uh, I, I wouldn't love this team to win the division. And I understand this is a take that could make me look really dumb <laughs> very quickly if they're able to put that top-end talent together and make a juggernaut. But I do have some real questions about this team. I mean, look, Bradley Beal, he's in his 11th year in the NBA. Um, You know, uh, what, Kevin Durant's in his 15th year. Eric Gordon's in his 15th year. These are guys that they're going to need big contributions from. And even with the NBA, uh, just today, actually, as we're recording this podcast, passing their rule that, um, you know, players who have made uh, an all NBA or all-star team in the last three years, you can't rest multiple of them on the same night. Uh, that's absolutely going to play into a lot of things this year. I, I You do get the feeling that that's going to change kind of the landscape in a lot of ways, but I just look at like the bench and they're going to be re- like relying on big contributions from guys that maybe are not the most reliable, at least if you're looking at a division winner. Drew Eubanks is going to have to play big minutes. You anticipate Yuto Watanabe being a key backup for them this year. Keita Bates-Jop, a guy you didn't even mention, I think he's going to have to play a, a pretty sizable role on this team. I'm not talking 30 minutes, but like he's going to be a key backup. And how much are you going to get from Eric Gordon at this point in his career? Josh Okogi, yeah, I like some things he does, but can you rely on him? And we really, really saw it in the playoffs against the Nuggets. They're their depth was just not enough. And I'm not entirely certain they have the depth now. Uh, This is a team 100% that is just going to go as far as their superstars can take them. And look, they've got three legit ones in Beal, Booker, and Durant. But at a certain point, you know, scoring is great. What does the team build look like? I'm not 100% sold on a Beal Booker backcourt at this point in Beal's career, uh, especially since you got to feed Durant. I don't know. I just, I could see a lot of things going wrong. And I mean, DeAndre Ayton, he's a good player, but look, Monty Williams, there's a lot of talk that a big reason why Monty Williams wanted out of Phoenix. I mean, I know he was fired, but like why he had a lot of trepidation regarding his role there and his future there was him not really believing in DeAndre Ayton a guy that has not come through in some big playoff moments. So 
uh, I, I have some real mixed feelings about this team. They could make me look really dumb, but I just think they have a lot to figure out during the season. Come playoff time, it could be a totally, totally different situation, however. No, I'm I'm in agreement. I mean, you talk about the top-tier talent on that roster, and it's undeniable, but the depth on that roster is certainly questionable. And, you know, I don't know who's handling the basketball for that team when the ball's not in a Beal, a Booker, or Durant's hands. I, I think the rest of that roster, it's like, I they're all non-ball handlers unless you really think Eric, I mean, Eric Gordon do a lot of ball handling off the bench. I don't know. I just it's a it's a team that has a ton of top tier top tier talent, but the rest of the roster, it's it's hopefully these guys are gonna have to fit seamlessly. Otherwise, I just don't think it it works. Uh, I they're gonna have to be carried by Booker Durant and Beal and in a regular season where all those guys have a history of missing time, it's tough to feel like this should be the team with the best odds to win the division because they're all going to end up missing time. It's not a guarantee that this works. And it's not a guarantee that having three all-star level players, DeAndre Ayton, and then a bunch of add-ons is going to work. I mean, it's, it's not go. It's not a lock. And I just think Cleveland, or excuse me, Phoenix has gone all in with this roster and if this doesn't work, new owner Matt Ishbia is going to be uh, staring at a pretty, pretty scary future because we know Kevin Durant doesn't sit around on a team and, and oh, it didn't work for a year. Okay, I'm fine with that. We'll just do it again next year. We'll do it again next year. He'll ask out. We, we know that with Kevin Durant. He will demand a trade. Uh, I still think there's a shot Devin Booker becomes a piston at some point in time. Oh, don't. Don't tease me like that. So, yeah, I I think Phoenix has a ton of talent. Uh, I don't think this is a team that wins the division. I don't think it's a team that comes out on top of the conference or or as NBA champions Uh, until a team like this that is so devoid of depth and is so devoid of of other pieces outside of their top four guys, until they prove they can win, until they prove all these guys are going to stay healthy and buy into a role – uh, I, I, I'm going to have to need to see it to believe it. What happens when Bradley Beal's not touching the basketball because Kevin Durant's going off and Devin Booker's quietly got 25 behind him. How does all that shake out? I mean, does DeAndre Ayton buy into that? I mean, it was already hard enough for him to get the touches he wanted and play the role that he wanted to play on a team with Durant Booker and an elite distributor in Chris Paul. Now, they lose that guard, that, that point guard in Chris Paul, and add in another guy that wants 15 shots a game, that's going to affect DeAndre. And so I need to see this team play well together and, and stay healthy and prove that they're going to be able to defend. I need to see all of that before I can place any sort of confidence in them being a, a, a threat to win the title, a true believable threat. Like, if everything goes right for them, they absolutely should be. They have amazing talent, but I have to see it with this group uh, to, to believe it. it. It feels insane to say about a team with, again, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant on it, but it really feels like the success or failure of the season is going to come down to guys like Drew Eubanks and Eric Gordon. And I think that's a very scary proposition because we saw it in the playoffs last year. Like Jock Landale 
had to play a huge role for this team because DeAndre Ayton was just struggling, like really struggling on the defensive end and replacing him with Drew Eubanks, who was, don't get me wrong, really good for, uh, for um, uh, Portland last year. I think that's a good replacement, but like Drew Eubanks is going to have to be awesome. Eric Gordon's going to have to be like really dependable with the ball in his hands. And um, you know, I, I just like replacing one of the best backup point guards in the league in campaign. That, that's not easy either. So I think you're just, it's crazy to say, but it feels like this team, this team's ceiling actually comes down to whether or not the, very sketchy role players that they've put around their stars are going to be up to the task. Like Josh Okoge, you need him to be a defensive stopper and a reliable three-point threat. Because if you don't in the playoffs, I don't know what you're going to do against a team like Denver again. Like you're going to get shredded on the wing. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree. I think, I just think that that's such a weird roster that they have there. I don't know if it will work out. And it sounds lame saying that. Yeah, I, I know. I hate saying it because it's like uh, what they could put a couple guys could pop and they could like get a good signing or a good trade. And like, we just look dumb in a few months, but it's hard to have faith right now. Looking at the roster as a whole, not just the top. Agreed. Agreed. I think that was a good chance to move on to another team that has a lot of high end talent. That also has health issues. But if everything goes right for them, can't be forgotten about in the title conversation. And that's the Los Angeles Clippers. They finished 44 and 38 last season, third in the division, had one all-star. That was Paul George. But obviously you cannot forget about Kawhi Leonard, who is an all-star level player, one healthy, which when he played last year, he was very, very good again. This is a team that didn't, necessarily make a ton of moves this offseason after losing to the Phoenix Suns in the first round of the playoffs last season in five games. Really, the only move they made was to bring in K.J. Martin. They did re-sign Russell Westbrook and Mason Plumlee. The Clippers, I think, are a team that could... It's, it's, it's probably stupid to buy into it because every year it's like, oh, the Clippers could if everyone's healthy... But if the Clippers are healthy, I really do think this could be a title team this year. I don't know if it's a wild prediction, but I, I am buying into the Los Angeles Clippers finally putting it together. Maybe these rules get Kawhi to like decide he's going to stay on the court. And and I, I don't know. I just Russell Westbrook really was spectacular last year in the playoffs, getting a full season with George Leonard, Russell Westbrook. I, I they, they have some good depth on that team. I'm buying into the Clippers. I think that they could be a sneaky title contender. It's it's like they're too forgotten right now. I, I just can't do it, man. They're always missing something. That's just my problem with this team. And like you said, like if this is a team where like if they can stay healthy and everything finally breaks right for them, haven't we been saying this since they drafted Blake Griffin? Seriously, it feels like every year it's the same damn story with the Clippers. I just can't do it anymore, man. I, I, I put a little money on them to win the title last year. I, I can't do it again. I, I got to get off this ride. I can't buy the ticket anymore. Uh, everyone's just a year older. You know, it's, it's another year. It's Russell Westbrook. 
in year 15. It's uh, Marcus Morris in year 12. It's Kawhi in year 11. It's Paul George in year 13. Even when you look at some of the other guys, like Norman Powell is 30 years old now. Um, and and Mason Plumley is 30, shoot, 33 years old now. Robert Covington is getting up there. I, I, I don't dislike the depth. Don't get me wrong. I think guys like Amir Coffey are useful. I think Terrence Mann has his place and who knows what happens with Bones Highland. I, you know, it, it still feels like there is an, a ceiling that he could hit that he hasn't gotten to yet. Same with Kenyon Martin Jr. But aging core, aging supporting cast, Nick Batum is back for another ride. Like, uh, I'm just not feeling it this year. I, I think if they were going to do it, it was going to be like two years ago. And it just hasn't come together for this team. I just don't see how it comes together for them now. Um, and and finally, I just don't believe in their front court. Like Ivac, you know, Zubak is is a nice scoring big man, but push comes to shove when the playoffs roll around. I just don't know if he and Mason Plumley are going to be enough when you're looking at a Western Conference with players like Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns and freaking Rudy Gobert. And uh, hell, DeMontis Sabonis and freaking, you could even say DeAndre Ayton in it. Um, shoot, Jonas Valanciunas. Like, he's not on that level either. So I, I think when you look at that, I just, I don't think they have enough oomph in some of the key places where you just need a little bit more in order for those star forwards in a healthy Paul George and a healthy Kawhi Leonard to take you all the way to the promised land. I just can't buy it, Aaron. It really just does come down to to buying into their health, right? I mean, Kawhi Leonard only played in two games uh, against Phoenix in the playoffs last year. They obviously were without Paul George. This is a team that always is missing one of their top guys. And it's it's impossible to buy into that when they're, they just never are all on the court for a long enough period of time. But it just like it, it it feels like at some point they 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 do gotta get a little bit of luck and, and and stay healthy. And if they do, I just feel like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard are still two of the top 15 players in the league when healthy. And they have enough pieces around them that they could again, if they stay healthy. That's always the question with them. But if they do, they could be a sneaky contender. I just think it comes down to like Western Conference Finals, Nuggets versus Clippers, Jokic versus Zubac. And I just look and I go, series over. Like, series is over right there. You just, I just don't think you could do it there. And I look at the backcourt too. Like, we're, we're matching Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook up against what? a a backcourt of KCP and Jamal Murray. Like, I just don't think you have a firepower there, even if your wings are that damn good. And I'm the ultimate guy who says you win in the wings in the playoffs. But like, I just think you need more. I think you need a little bit more at those other positions. And while they have good depth, I don't think they, they just need another star. They need a guy who can really be that guy for them there. Uh, I just don't see. You mean it. like a James Harden? No, God, no! <laughs> oh my God, please, no! Uh, no, they need somebody like link to him though. I mean, honestly, you know what? Like Malik Monk would 
change everything for me if I saw that. Not even that, really. Like, if they had freaking, they just, they need a big man. I, I just can't buy into it if they're going into these playoff series in the Western Conference with all these teams that have elite big men and you're throwing Zubac out there. Like, I just think push comes believe, to shove. Huh? I can't believe you're not moved by Mason Plumley. That's. I, no, like, I like Mason Plumley. Those guys are both good, but they're, they are elite level backup bigs. That's what both of them are. And I'm just, I can't buy into it unless you give me somebody there that can actually hold up in the playoffs defensively. I'm not saying somebody that can outduel Nikola Jokic. Like, that's not a thing. But somebody who at least can not be a stanchion on defense. Like, shoot, Jock Landale, I think, would, <laughs> would be a great piece on this team. That's where they're at for me. So, yeah. The Clippers are always a team that's in the mix for – bigger names that become available on the trade market as well. So obviously something like that could, could swing the tide for them. If they are able to make a move mid season or something like that to acquire a, a name that becomes available. But I definitely understand that I'll be on the, the not as popular side in feeling that the Clippers might have a run in them. If they stay healthy, I think, well, I oh, go ahead. No, sorry, I was just going to say, I feel like they and the next two teams we're going to talk about are kind of in that similar position where they have stars, but you're just not sure how it's going to all work together, and you have the feeling that they're one piece short of actually being contenders. Yeah, and that next team we're going to talk about is the Golden State Warriors. They also finished 44-38 and last season, fourth in the division lost to the Lakers in six games in the Western Conference semifinals. A little bit of a more interesting offseason for Golden State compared to the Clippers. Uh, they traded away Jordan Poole and lost Dante DiVincenzo to the Knicks in free agency. They did re-sign Draymond Green after a lot of speculation that Green could sign a bigger contract elsewhere because Golden State wouldn't commit financially to him, but they did. And probably the biggest move for them, at least in terms of eyeballs, was the addition of Corey Joseph. I mean, Chris Paul. Uh, Chris <laughs> Paul in the yeah, they got their star right? veteran point guard. Uh, finally. <laughs> I know everyone loved that. Uh, on this Pistons podcast, it's nice to work in, uh, uh, you know, Corey Joseph, uh, little, little Corey Joseph note there, who is on the Warriors, who did sign with Golden State uh, in the offseason. But the big addition, the big, big move for them was adding Chris Paul, who is reportedly going to start alongside Stephen Curry for them this upcoming season. There's a lot of questions around how that's going to work in Golden State. I think that's where we should start. Chris Paul, Stephen Curry. You'd imagine Draymond's back in the starting lineup. Uh, and then there's Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. And Kavon Looney, I mean, who is the guy getting left out of the starting lineup here? Hmm. That's that's a hard, that's a really hard question to answer. I mean, I think you have to you have to start Chris Paul, you have to start Clay Thompson, you have to start Stephen Curry, and I think you also have to start Draymond Green. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to say. I think this is a team that is in a similar position to the Phoenix Suns where they have some really intriguing high-end talent that we're not really sure how they're going to play together. Like Chris Paul, one of the greatest passers of all time, but he's also now playing with Draymond Green, who's best used as a passer as 
well at this point in his career. Um, so, you know, is Chris Paul going to be playing like off ball shooting a lot of the time? Uh, I don't know that that to me, Chris Paul posted up in the corner feels like just a weird thing to say. Um, but how do you use those guys to the best of their ability? And yeah, the starting lineup's intriguing, but look at that bench. Uh, things get kind of scary for you if you're a, a Warriors fan. They are going to need stuff. You know, Gary Payton's going to have to be big for them. You know, Dario Saric is going to have to be big for them. And they need something from Moses Moody. They need something from Jonathan Kaminga. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe their best bet is to bring Wiggins off the bench because he's a good defender and he can get his own shot. I think that that's going to be a really crucial thing for their bench this year. Like, I don't see guys who are really um, go-to scorers on this bench. So I think if it's me, Andrew Wiggins has to be the guy coming off the bench. On the other hand, then you also have to wonder, like, how does that Warriors starting defense look when you're throwing a starting backcourt of Chris Paul and Steph Curry out there? That's not a lot of size. Um, and that's something that you have to worry about, especially now with Clay Thompson at what, 33 years old. He can still shoot it, but he's definitely lost a step defensively. He's not the same guy he was there. There's a lot of questions for me about this roster. I don't know. I, I think getting out from under the pool contract was probably for the best in the long term. If you're looking forward to what happens after they they finish up with this core, but yeah, even the way the Draymond Green signing went down, like it feels like this is a situation that is going to fall apart soon and probably sooner rather than later. And it just kind of comes down to like, is this going to be the year where they kind of just coast and they're okay, but they're not really a contender? Or do things start to kind of fall apart for Golden State? Um, they did also, and I should say this because this is your this is your boy, this is your guy. Brandon Podcast, uh, your beloved Brandon Podcast is also on the team. He is also a player that, I mean, if he shows out well enough in preseason training camp and all that stuff, he could have a, a role on this roster. I don't really see any sacred cows on this bench other than one of those guys, you know, going there. Because um, I think you need Kevon Looney's rebounding in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think... I think as odd as it would be, I think there's actually a legitimate case to bring Clay Thompson off the bench. It, it would be so, so weird to not have him in the starting lineup alongside his splash brother. But I just think for the reasons that you mentioned, if Chris Paul's going to start, they're already going to be undersized with Curry and, and, and CP3. Clay Thompson has absolutely lost a step defensively he's he's just not the same player after all of the injuries and surgeries that he's had to under undergo and I think they'd be better suited even though it's maybe not the lineup that people want but it, it would be better for them as a team if Wiggins and Looney were in the lineup for defensive purposes for rebounding purposes for size purposes I mean you know Draymond's going to be in the lineup you know Curry's going to be in the lineup and if CP3 is going to be in the lineup I just think they need to get some guys that 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 are going to be able to move and defend better than someone like Clay could. And, and it would be weird bringing him off the bench. I don't know if he'd buy into that. But if Golden State is going to be a championship contender ever again, guys are going to have to change the way that they play and the type of roles that they have because this isn't 2016. This isn't 2017. 
these are not the same players that they were. Steph Curry is still one of the best players in the league, but Draymond Green isn't the player that he was. Klay Thompson isn't the player that he was. And that's why they're that grouping together just has not been, was not good enough last year for another championship run. So I think some things are going to have to change in Golden State if they do want to get back to that status. I think the Chris Paul trade, I don't know if it works, but they needed to do something. And, and obviously Jordan Poole wasn't the answer for them. So I, I I understand the making the trade for Chris Paul. They were kind of in an impossible situation. Poole wasn't working. Probably no one really wanted his contract. So they had to do something where they were taking back another contract that didn't have a ton of value to it. But I I don't know if they're ever going to be with this group uh, a, a contender again. It, it feels like they'd have to make a pretty significant move and add a, a pretty significant piece to to really believe they've got the guys for another championship run at this point. Yeah, it's just like whoever you are bringing off the bench, it just it creates its own issues. Like if you're bringing Chris Paul off the bench, where is your scoring with that second unit? You can't rely on him to be an effective scorer for you. Like, he can still hit those mid-range jumpers every now and then, but the last two years in the playoffs have proven he's he's just not that guy at this point in his career, and you can't, you can't bring Draymond off the Brad bench. That doesn't make any sense from a lineup perspective. Um, yeah, like, if you're coming off the bench, but – he needs somebody to get in the ball. And I don't really know if you can rely on him to be that, that driver of your offense. If he's the main piece, I I just think that they have some real big questions when it comes to maximizing their lumps. Um, It it feels like Steve Kerr is going to have to do the best coaching job of his career in order for them to be anything more than like, you know, six, seven, eight seed. And I feel even by saying six seed, I'm being, pretty generous to this roster no i'm i'm in agreement there and and it's unfortunate because you know golden state's been the 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 gold standard of the league for so long but it does feel like it might be that that their time has ended um again unless they make a significant significant move aaron do you think they should have do you think bringing back draymond was the right move it's tough because when you're when you when you have that history that they have with Draymond and what he means to the franchise, it, it would feel wrong to let him walk, to let him sign elsewhere. And if they didn't have a plan to replace his talent, like yes, Draymond's not the player that he once was, but he still does provide a lot of value for that team. And if there wasn't a way to get bring someone in that was going to have that similar type of value. You know, I, I I do think it makes sense to bring him back, but it just feels like they're they're kind of pigeonholed in this spot where, yes, they need another piece, they need another all star level talent, but they really don't have the assets to go out and get one. So it's like, do they tear down? Do they not bring the guys yeah. back? I mean, Steph Curry's, I would imagine, finishing his career in Golden State. I I I assume him and clay would like to try to compete and i think golden state would like to do the same so they would need to bring draymond back i just this roster's aged they've battled injuries and i don't think chris paul and andrew wiggins are are good enough role players around them to elevate them back to championship status 
Yeah, it feels like you have to ride it till the wheels fall off as long as you have Steph still you doing Steph stuff, group. right? You yeah, to that group for everything that they did. I mean, you you have to. And like and look, lose them losing Draymond Green, they were not going to be able to bring in somebody that would make them better, you know, than than he would have by re-signing him. So, yeah, they were in a little bit of a rock and a hard place. Uh, kind of like the Clippers, you know, as, as long as you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the roster, you owe it to yourself to do whatever you can to build a good team around them. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, a few moves don't work out and draft picks don't pan out. And now you're in a difficult situation where you don't have the depth and you have these aging stars. So yeah, we, we will see with golden state. I think the next team and the final team we're going to talk about really does pretty much fall into that same category with golden state and, and the Los Angeles Clippers. And that's the Los Angeles Lakers. They finished fifth in the division last year with a 43-39 and record, squeaking into the play-in in a competitive Western Conference. But they ended up making it further than everyone else in the conference, advancing all the way to the Western Conference Finals, where they were swept by the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, this team is built around LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but the Lakers probably had the most active offseason out of anyone in the division. They re-signed Austin Reeves to a big contract. They also re-signed D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura to multi-year deals. And then they were active in free agency as well. Probably one of the, the more surprising moves of free agency was the team signing Gabe Vincent to a long-term deal. They also added Cam Reddish, Tarian Prince, and Jackson Hayes as well. Oh, and Aaron. Can't forget Christian Wood. And Christian Wood, that's right. That's right. I just forgot about that. And he was only signed a little bit earlier this week, actually. So the Lakers made a ton, a ton of moves. Honestly, had a very productive offseason, I would say. You still have LeBron James. Anthony Davis kind of falls into that grouping of stars who, you know, we never really know if they're going to be on the court. So it's hard to truly count on them. But when he's on the court, one of the best defensive players in the game. Obviously, an outstanding force at the rim on offense. This team, I would say, has just as high of a ceiling as anyone else in the division. Jasper, after a very active offseason for the Lakers, what are you seeing, foreseeing for them this upcoming season? Yeah, I would be very surprised if they were to win this division. Just looking at the roster, I don't think it's quite there. Uh, this is still a team that is heavily reliant on Anthony Davis and LeBron James, two guys that are getting up there in years and have <laughs> not exactly had the most sterling record of health uh, over the last three or four seasons after winning that NBA championship, the Mickey Mouse title, if you will. Uh, but I think their offseason signings were definitely really good. Uh, bringing back Austin Reeves for the number they did was just I mean, it might end up being the best move of the offseason. That might sound hyperbolic, but like it could very well end up being the best move of the offseason. They brought him back for less money than the Pistons are paying um, uh, Marvin Bagley this year. Like that was an absolute coup. And that was a guy that really played well in the playoffs, really played a crucial role for them in the regular season as well as a ball handler, as a shooter. Um, he's a good player, man. And Gabe Vincent, 
I still would like to see what he looks like outside of a heat uniform. I, I don't think he's a perfect player by any means, but lastly, bringing in Christian Wood, I, I don't think you can understate how big that's going to be when you have a player like Anthony Davis, the Lakers absolutely struggled to put pressure on the rim when they didn't have Anthony Davis in the lineup last year. And while Christian Wood is by no means a perfect player, especially on the defensive end, having him there to provide that when he does not play all 82 games this season, that is going to be really big for LA. And I, I just think that he is going to have a really crucial season for them. The thing is, you're just, you're kind of depending on wings that are not proven to really come through for you in the playoffs. Like they're going to need Rui Hachimura to play a big role for them defensively. They're going to need Cam Reddish to shoot well from outside. Um, and it's kind of the similar thing where like, yeah, a lot of the other teams are in this division in terms of their depth. There's just not a lot of players you can really rely on at key positions when push comes to shove. I think they have a, a real weak spot in their weak defense, especially in their wing defense, that is, uh, when it comes to the playoffs. But I think they will probably be improved in the regular season just based on the signings they brought in. Do I think they're winning the division? No. Do I even necessarily think that they're going to finish with like a lot more wins than the 43 they did last year? Uh-uh. But I think they're going to look a lot better and they're going to play a lot more consistently and if they do make it to the Western Conference Finals once again, I think it's going to be less of a less of a surprise and more of a team effort than it was last season. Yeah, you said it. I mean, maybe they don't have the roster that wins 10 more games this season, but there's a big difference in the Western Conference between 43 wins and 46, 47 wins. I mean, it's a conference that's got at least – 11 to 12 teams every year that are in the mix for a playoff at minimum play in spot. Those three, four, five extra wins that I think that this team bought themselves this offseason could be huge to where they end up standing in the playoffs, what type of schedule they have in the playoffs, their opponent in the playoffs. So I think that that's really important. And I'm a actually very big fan of what the Lakers did this summer. Austin Reeves has proven in all of the big moments that he is a legitimate player and not just some feel-good story uh, as, you know, an undrafted guy. But this is a team that added a ton of depth, brought back Reeves, brought back Russell, brought back Rui Hachimura, who obviously had his moments in the playoffs. And then you get guys like Christian Wood and Gabe Vincent who can play minutes for you. I just think that they're better built this year and they already had done a good job last year at the deadline, improving the roster and bringing in guys like Russell and, and Rui Hachimura. And then they and get Jared Vanderbilt. I'm sorry. I have to say Jared Vanderbilt, a guy we didn't mention also going to play a big role Vanderbilt as well. So I just think they have more depth there at, at pretty much every position. And yeah, I, I think they're, they're bound to be an improved team this year even though you know Anthony Davis is going to end up missing some time, even if LeBron isn't the best player in the league like he used to be, he's still a very, very good player, is a, a, a all-star lock. I mean, I just I, – I really do think the Lakers are going to be a better team this year. I really like the offseason that they had, 
and they were already trending in the right direction after doing what they did at the deadline last year. They already made it to the conference finals last year, even though they were the worst team in their division record wise. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying into what the Lakers did and uh, I, I, I like their outlook for this upcoming season. Yeah. I think also like just having Christian Wood there, I think that just wins them at least like two games, three games that they lost when Anthony Davis didn't play for them last year. I just think that's such a big signing for them, especially for the money they got him for. So it's a freaking league minimum. Like it's nothing. It's a total steal. Um, And yeah, I think you're right too. Like Austin Reeves definitely proved it. And while I'm not a hundred percent sold on like Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, if one of those guys can just elevate his play to being good enough in the playoffs, none of it matters. Like that's going to be a team that has going to have some really serious potential to do some good stuff because D'Angelo Russell can fill up the hoop. LeBron James is LeBron James until proven otherwise. And same thing goes for uh, Anthony Davis in the playoffs. So like, if you have those two guys, you can go a long way. And if you can get something from those wings, you're kind of taking a shot on. I think you're looking pretty good. So we've gone through the division now. That's all five teams. Let's get let's get to it. Jasper, you've got to pick a team to to win the division. I I from what you've said, doesn't sound like you're a big believer uh in terms of the ability to win the division for pretty much any of these teams outside of Sacramento. So are you are, are you thinking Sacramento's repeating as the Pacific Division winners this upcoming season or is another team coming out and taking the spot? Yeah, I mean, I, I might have came across as being kind of like harsh on this division because there's a lot of teams with flaws. But really, it comes down to just like, I think this division's a rock fight. I think it's one of the toughest divisions in basketball, even for all the flaws of the Golden State Warriors. They're the Golden State Warriors, man. Uh, for the bench depth that the Phoenix Suns lack, they still have Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant on the same freaking team. That being said... The regular season's different than the playoffs. It's more about, you know, your consistency than it is your ceiling. And when it comes to consistency, when it comes to depth, when it comes to being able to, you know, account for the inevitable injuries that occur during a season or things that happen, no team in this division is better set than the Sacramento Kings. Um, yeah, it feels crazy saying that the Sacramento Kings are not only going to win their division, they're going to do it two years in a row, but I think that's the team I have to go for. I just think when you look at it from top to bottom, yes, they don't have the same top-end players that the other four teams in this division do, but their depth is so much better, and their top guys are good enough uh, to where I think they can win this division once again. Aaron, where are you at with this, this division? I I think you're in agreement with me. It's going to be a tough one once again. Yeah, it's it's funny because I'm I'm really in lockstep with you on this. It's weird saying it, but for all of the reasons you said, the the all stars that play, the depth that they have, the growth that I think that this team still has a leap in them with some of their younger guys and the the experience that they got last year, I think Sacramento can and will win this division. I think it's going to be competitive i mean hell it was very competitive last year but I, I i just think they the roster continuity that they have they're going to feel that pressure of hey we're not a lock to get in in the western conference no one is there's no nights off 
And the depth is just insane with this team. Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray, Davion Mitchell, Trey Lyles, Harrison Barnes. Like they have so many different guys that can give them 30 minutes a night. And that doesn't account for their two all-stars in De'Aaron Fox and, and Demona Sabonis that led an incredible, incredible offense last year. So yeah, I am, I'm backing the Kings. I think they're going to win the division again this year. Uh, it feels odd because, you know, they're, they're plus 750 right now. I said at the beginning of the beginning of this, I'd, I'd be intrigued and in sprinkling them to win the division and, and, you know, going through it, I'm even more confident now, not that they're necessarily the the best team in the, the division overall, but in terms of playing and winning the most regular season games, I, I think they're the team. Uh, I'm curious what everyone else thinks. I would encourage you to let us know whether you do so in the YouTube comment section or you do so on Twitter at Palace of Piss and shoot us a reply, a mention. Let us know who you think is coming out uh, on top in what should be a very, very competitive Pacific division this upcoming season. Jasper, that was a lot of fun. I know you and Mike are going to do it again next week with another, another division. We won't reveal who it is here today. We'll let the people wonder, but a lot of fun, man. I think this is a fun little series we're kicking off here uh, as we continue this off season uh, going on. Yeah. I'm, super excited for it man being able to talk about some other teams and just looking through them it's always fascinating for me i am you know I, some people just watch pistons games I, I like to watch the nba in general so going through all this stuff it's just always a blast like just seeing where these teams are and you know at the beginning of the season and where you think they're going to be and how your expectations change throughout the year and how they get shattered sometimes Look, this is a division. I would not be surprised if any of the teams in it were to win it. Genuinely. Like the Kings I'm picking, uh, any of them could win it. And I'm just excited to see how everything shakes out. No, you can, you're you 100% right. You can absolutely make a case for all five teams to come out uh, on top. No, no doubt about it. But as I said, let us know what you think. Comment and uh, comment on YouTube. Tweet us uh, uh, at Palace of Pistons on Twitter. Tweet us at A. Johnson NBA, at Blade Cunningham. Let us know what you think. Were we right? Were we wrong? I know some people who are automatically going to tell us we're wrong in the YouTube comment section. So very, very excited to read what you have to say. But that is going to do it for this week's show. Like I said, Mike and Jasper will be bringing you another another division division breakdown next week on the podcast. That's going to do it for us here today. On this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, brought to you by Believe. Again, use our promo code Believe at Bet Online to get a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit, and start placing your division winner bets, baby. We're going to be previewing each of the divisions this off season for you, and we are very, very excited for the NBA season to return. We're going to be done with these division previews before we know it, and we're going to be playing real NBA basketball. Very, very excited for that. But until then, we will see you all next week on another edition of the Palace of Pistons Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.